Well, hello and welcome. Okay, here's a quick question for you. Do you believe in the law of attraction? Do you believe that sometimes you're meant to meet people at a certain time in your life? Okay, here's another one. Have you ever met someone and felt like you've known them for absolutely years and your first conversation is just a catch up? Yeah? Okay, you're going to absolutely love this episode. This lady was introduced to me by a very good friend of mine, Anthea. Anthea and I were chatting about interesting, motivational, inspiring women. And Anthea said to me, Sally, you need to go and follow Danny Wallace. She's called the Queen Bee. She's on Instagram, but she hosts the most amazing events. She's got the most incredible workshops and she is really empowering women all over the UK, all over the world, I've found out since. So I started following Danny. I found her on Instagram and I was hooked. I was hooked on her reels. I was hooked on her vibrance. I was hooked on her energy. The woman is just fascinating to watch. She's really, she's got an amazing, beautiful voice as well, but she's just so inspiring to so many women from so many different backgrounds. Now, Danny's had her fair share of shit as well, to be fair. She comes from Preston, which is in the northwest of England. She survived domestic violence, homelessness, and had one of those rock bottom moments that wasn't very pretty. However, this lady's flipped it all on its ass, and she's very quickly becoming one of the most exciting motivational speakers to hit the UK stage in a very long time. Now, Danny isn't just working with women on a one-to-one basis. She's also working with celebrities, seven-figure business earners, and she is helping them take not just themselves, but their businesses to a whole new level. Danny is helping people get their balls back with her show up, wise up, rise up mantra. Now, I am so excited to have this lady on my podcast as a guest speaker. So without further ado, make sure that you're listening. You'll probably want to listen to it a few times, to be honest with you. But enjoy the incredible inspirational story and words from Danny Wallace, who is the leader of the I Am Queen Bee movement. Mel. Yummy mummy. Geriatric mum. How the f*** did that happen? Hi, I'm Sally Wallace and welcome to my podcast, Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Why the name? Well, it's a label that I've been slapped with recently, so I've decided to embrace it. But don't worry, it's not all sore nips and stretch marks from here onwards. As a former radio presenter, public speaker and someone who's a huge advocate of keeping banter alive, each week I'll be sharing life observations with a twist, random questions... Subject matters that'll blow your mind. Like, do we really eat spiders in our sleep? Am I the only woman who walks around with crystals in her bra? And why is it that my husband's clothes and socks are so much more comfortable than my own? All gripping stuff. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. Something has brought you here today, and I think it's because we're on the same vibration station. Thank you so much for having a listen. I really hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. I'm Sally Wallace, your host, and I cannot tell you how nice it is today to introduce my wonderful guest, Danny Wallace. Hello, Sally. We've got double Wallace shenanigans happening on this podcast today. I'm very excited to be with you. I know, and we spell it the same way as well. I know, it's one of them things, isn't it? Is it an I-S? Is it an A-C-E? I'm like, no, I'm ace. That's what it is. What ace. (laughs) 
<laughs> Danny, listen, I really have. Um, I was actually, I was advised by a friend, a really, really good friend who I really value and I trust her. And she said to me, you need to follow this lady. She's incredible. She's really, really motivational. And the work that she's doing is just mind blowing. So I thought, oh, let me go and have a nosy at this lady. Now, I know in the bio, I've already given you a bit of an introduction, but really to have you on this episode is I, I want to hear about you and your story and how it is that you got started because as it mentioned in the bio you came from you were, you were homeless uh you were a victim of domestic violence not that anybody likes to use the word victim but unfortunately you yeah. know it happened mm-hmm. and now you are a motivational speaker and you are helping businesses like seven figure businesses um individuals and I really want to hear about how you started so take it back from the beginning and yeah and 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 tell us how you did it so it's it's really strange when people put it like that because when you're when you're kind of doing the do you forget just how big the things that you've created are it's, it's not often that you kind of sit and take stock and go oh, flipping neck you know I've I've done dead good things it's it's awesome because actually I, I come from the council estates of Preston and people like us people like me um, we didn't go on to be successful entrepreneurs. We didn't go on to create, you know, incredible foundations that help people. We didn't go on to become famous or or silly things like that. People like us from where I come from um, often experience generational domestic abuse, addiction. Um, you know, we were living not on the breadline, but below the breadline. Um, where, where we grew up in, in our house, the information that I had and the role models that I had were toxic to say to say the least in that my mum did my did her very very best with the situation that she was in but my dad he was an alcoholic both of them had had experiences as children that they still needed to heal from they didn't even realize that experienced trauma as kids and they were exacerbating that and what I found was that the ex- the experience that I had wasn't just my experience, but it was that of my parents. It was that of their parents. It was that of their parents. So there was this generational sort of toxicity where intimate partner relationships were concerned, toxicity where, you know, the things that kids were exposed to were concerned. And that informed a lot of the decisions that I made as I got older. So, you know, if we was to talk about things like money mindset, money was something to be feared. You know, if we was getting a knock on the door, we were hiding, but I could still see the settee. And it was what it was like proper 80s. It was burgundy with this gold filigree like embroidery all over it. It was like real 80s tassels at the bottom, it like wooden arms to Jeff casters on the bottom of it as well. (laughs) Just to stop the wheels from making an impression on the rug. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I remember hiding behind the settee when the door went because it would be the guy from the provy. It would be somebody from some sort of short-term loan situation that was, you know, with really, really high interest that my mum had sort of borrowed off Peter to pay Paul in order to to get. And where work was concerned, everyone had a really, like a hard work ethic. Like you had to work really 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 hard for not a lot of yield you know like we would work really hard we would graft and actually that would just allow us to scrape by and this was all the sort of information that I had as I got older and I'm watching on as the youngest of a lot of cousins it was just my sibling and I in the house but our house is a bit like of a revolving door of cousins coming to stay because although it was quite chaotic 
our house was actually the calmest. My mum was the safest person to be with because of everything else that was going on for everybody else's family. So being the youngest of lots of cousins that were coming to stay, it was like I had lots of siblings. And as such, I had to make myself known. I had to make my present felt like when you're the youngest, you've got to be quite scrappy because um, yeah, yeah. there's lots of big opinions knocking around. There's lots of powerful people knocking around much bigger than you. So I had to be quite scrappy and quite vocal when I was younger. And one of the ways that I was able to seek sort of external validation is I found that I was able to sing. Um, and that was quite a novelty. So I would get like trotted out at Christmas, like, oh, Dan, Danny, give us a give us a song. And as that as that as I got older, I found that as a means to earn. So at 14, like I'm working the clubs, I'm singing, like lying about my age, uh, but singing in like <laughs> singing in work. So when you had a national things. insurance card, I used to fake a national <laughs> insurance card and go, yeah, what are you on about? I can get a fags. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they, didn't, they didn't really ask back then, no, to they be didn't, honest. Did they? They? No, or you just used to have your bus pass and then just like change the date on it or something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They they didn't they didn't really worry about it. So I really cut my teeth in some of the hardest stages. Um, in the UK, like in the northwest of England, the Working Men's Club in the northwest of England, they are brutal. Um, and that's kind of where well, I this is it. it the one thing about the north, and I, I grew up in the south. The one thing about the north is pff, nobody is uh, sort of. I, I suppose you, you, nobody's shy, should we say, about the, no. the thing. <laughs> No, they're not holding their opinions, but you had to be good or you were getting booed off. I remember I was in one, <laughs> I was in one gig and the, the concert secretary, the, the person that does all the booking, whilst I was on stage was handing out like voting slips to see whether they'd have this, this person person back next time they'd say at the end you know and thank god they were kind to me imagine the knock I would have taken at that age had they not been saying oh you know oh well the audience have said that we'll have you back and, and, that, and that's kind of where I cut my teeth in this really kind of rough and ready situation where I you know I had to work hard I had to contribute to the household from a very early age like juggling jobs and school was just the norm for my sister and I was chambermaiding or singing or waitressing or something to contribute to the household to help mum out and uh when I got to 16 the chaos of where I was growing up just proved too much and again, I sort of fibbed about my age and essentially ran away with the circus and went to go and perform in, in hotel resorts all over the world and spent a good few years doing that, um, singing and entertaining. And it, I was a bit of a novelty for my family because this was at the time of the rise of the the reality, the reality show like Pop Idol, Pop Stars, The X Factor and all of that. And that was the get rich quick situation for somebody that was in, in inverted commas showbiz. So, you know, they trot me out to these auditions, ensuring certain hope that one day Simon Cowell would vad- validate me and make us all rich and I'd be the saviour of the family. Uh, but it never, ever quite happened. So there's always this kind of like, ah, we need to get a proper job now, Dan. We need to maybe put down some roots. The dream isn't happening and it is just a dream and we want to keep you safe. So you might want to be knocking it on the head. I was getting to about 21, 22. So I came back to the UK and started to work in contact centres. And this is the rise of the contact centres where contact centres are the new factory, if you will. So I started to work for some fantastic, fantastic companies um, who saw the talent that I had as within my stagecraft. So because I could communicate really well, they wanted to talent manage me. So I got put through their talent management programs and started to work within HR. And I was on the learning and development um, 
team for some brilliant, brilliant companies. And it was a fantastic experience. So on the veneer of it, I was doing well. But underneath my relationships and how I was looking after myself was in absolute tatters. And that's often what happens. I, I didn't want to be the person that didn't do well. And I was validated externally by my work. But actually, the the, the person who I had just had a child with and we were just about to get married, woke up one morning and went, oh, I don't want this anymore, Danny. And he just left. So I... on the How old, day, sorry, Danny, how old were you at that point? 22. I mean, that is a, that is literally a huge blow, a huge blow. Yeah. Especially if you've just I had thought a baby I was doing well. well. Yeah, and you've mm. just had a baby as well. So you're going to be hormonally completely charged. You don't know what the fuck's happened yeah. to your body. And at the same mm-hmm. time, somebody who you are trusting has, yeah. it's almost like it's rejection. And that is horrendous. Yeah. That's trauma, isn't it? Yeah, a huge rejection. And that's kind of trauma on trauma because I hadn't had an opportunity because I didn't know that what I'd experienced as a child was trauma. It was just not good. That like looking back now, now I know what I know about trauma and healing. No wonder I found myself in, the, in myself in these kind of positions. So directly after I'm feeling really vulnerable and I am validated externally. So I sought another relationship relatively quickly and somebody in that position is prime bait for somebody who, you know, is a narcissist for somebody who is a perpetrator of domestic abuse. And that's exactly what happened. Found myself host to um, somebody who totally capitalized on my vulnerability and my desire to to give and to provide and to be loved and to overgive because uh, that was one of my trauma responses was to fawn was to bring somebody in and almost make them that I'll make it better for you situation a fixer a bit like a yeah. fixer yeah absolutely I couldn't fix it for myself I wanted to fix it for somebody else so mm. I find these broken men can I just um, tell you now how many women I know can relate to that so many right. women that I meet and I have on this uh on the podcast as guest speakers we and myself included I dated I could go into a nightclub my mum said at one point and literally pick out the only ex-convict in there and start saying he's changed he's really changed. right such a nice guy honestly he's lovely no Sally you 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 yeah. you you're absolutely fucking nuts. You're making it up because you're trying to fix him. And yeah, it is because I can see almost... his potential. I can see what he's capable yes. of. Yeah, he's a nice guy, yeah. really. No, he's shagging somebody else, love, and you're going to catch chlamydia. That's the reality of it. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. <laughs> we just want to fix it. But, but you're so right. And again, I totally get the whole trauma thing because it's for you as a child, that's your norm. That's all you right. know. So for you to They think... say you go to the man that's most like your father, right? Yep. <laughs> it's very interesting that in those those kinds of situations you know you you seek the role model that you had and that and that's that was the role model that I had it was the easiest to fall into no wonder I fell in love because that for me that, that was oh it's weird to say but like safety I knew how to survive chaos and my body it keeps score and knows how to survive chaos. It know it only knew chaos. And even when I was working abroad, like I'm here, there, and everywhere, getting a flight to Lanzarote one month. I'm going to Zanti the next. I mean, America the next month. Like the whole thing was chaotic, and I didn't realize it. I thought I was just doing what it was that I wanted to do, and I didn't realize until well, much much later into my thirties that that I was perpetuating a cycle. And it, it's so much so it, it got 
got dangerous between the two of us and we needed to be untangled by the courts and I had to have an injunction put in place. And by that time then, I had two children under the age of three um, and it was all I could do to keep them in childcare. So all of my wage, because I was earning too much for assistance, like tax credits, I owned a home, so I didn't get any assistance at all. Um, I found myself being sort of financially coerced in this re- relationship. So my credit was absolutely shot at oh, shit. all I could do to keep my kids in, in, um, in nursery. So I spent every single penny that I had keeping them in nursery and eventually lost my house. So it didn't, it didn't sort of disappear into thin air. I, I, had to, <laughs> I wasn't able to pay my mortgage and the house got repossessed. And I ended up sofa surfing with the two, with my two kids sort of under the age of three for a good three or four months and I got to this point where I thought, oh, I just can't make a good decision. What is it? And and the shame that you carry, I'm an articulate person. I'm an intelligent girl. I'm not, you know, I'm not a dafty. I've got street smarts. Um, I'm, I'm doing well in this job. People looking on the outside, think, oh, Danny's got it all together. And actually, from an internal point of view, from a mental health point of view, from a lack of healing point of view, I was on my knees and I was sat in the car one night, Sally, and I just kissed my kids goodnight and left them at my mum's. And I really didn't know if I just kissed them goodbye or goodnight. I didn't mm-hmm. know if I was going to drive off into the sunset around a lamppost. I really didn't know. And I knew that that, that was my make or break mode. It's like the scene out of a really rubbish 80s movie. Like it was raining outside, the windscreen wipers was on. There must have been some sort of power ballad. Like the recipe was ripe for a breakdown. In yeah, some, what's the name? Pat Benatar in one of the background <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Or hearts. Like you can make a fist and yes. fist pump the air. Yeah. That was it. But it was really that moment where I decided either life was going to continue happening to me and I was going to be a passive participant or I was going to happen to life and I needed to start to take back some responsibility. Now, that's not me victim blaming myself or anybody else out there that's experiencing this, but it's this taking back of the power that you have choice in any situation. So even though it's difficult, so particularly in, in the uh, with, with regards to domestic abuse, leaving the choice to leave actually your the danger level increases significantly so what i'm not saying here is is that it's easy to to have choice but there is choice your reactions and responses are a choice and i decided in that moment that whilst i was sort of in this relative safety you know my mom and my sister and my friends were kind of looking after us we were just trying to find somewhere to live that I needed to start taking responsibility. And that's exactly what I started to do, right? Where can I take responsibility? I need to ask for help. I need to start owning up to, um, you know, my financial dysregulation. I need to start learning about money properly. I need to start learning about myself. I need to start understanding that, you know, some of these decisions are made because I'm scared. Some of these decisions I'm making is because I don't know any different. So how do I know different? How do I find out differently? And it, I do this live on, uh, on on Facebook on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's called the Show Up, Wise Up, Rise Up Show. And this idea of showing up, wise up and rising up is really important. It's the mantra that I started to live my life by, that if I wanted to rise up, then I either needed to learn something new or I needed to show the F up for it. I needed to start to... You can quite uh, uh, you can quite openly say fuck. I, I actually really well can. Ah, so. <laughs> I was like, worry, I'm not going to drop an F-bomb. But yeah, you've got to show Just in case your mum's listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mum. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is big mother. Do not say fuck or bugger. Yeah. Um, it's one of them. But yeah. um, 
but yeah, it was this understanding that if I wanted to rise up, if I wanted to have, you know, some semblance of security, of success, of whatever it was, that yes, it is my birthright, but I've got to show the fuck up for it. And if I, it's all, it's all well and good showing up for it, but you can show up, show up, show up, not show up in the right places with the right people, with the right mindset. So there's a degree of learning that needs to happen before you show up. But it is definitely the equation by which I've lived everything else since. And not giving up just not giving up like you said so sometimes you might show up and it's just not there yet but just don't give up just keep on that journey and like by the sounds of it you were I mean that was obviously in your 20s you know I know know Mm -hmm. your kids are grown now aren't they well not grown don't get me wrong I'm not not sat here with an old pensioner mind you Danny you're sat here with a geriatric mum so good luck for you But How time, do you know I mean, what the fact that we're called geriatric mums at thirty is it thirty six the threshold thirty six? Somebody told me it was twenty nine the other day. Twenty nine, like, go on, bloody hell! Are you living in the Victorian period or something? No, but I, I, I totally get that. You know, I myself know I'm forty four, and I, you know, I embrace my age. But as when I was a 24, 25, 26 year old woman, I am a completely different person now. So your journey must have been huge of ups and downs of learning and trying to yeah. sort of work out where your path's going. I can only imagine, just because I can relate to that as well in many ways. Because you know, you, you have yeah. a bit of a light bulb moment, and it sounds like that that was your light bulb moment really when you kissed your kids goodbye and got in the car. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm heading at this point in time, I'm heading into my late 20s. And I had stopped singing was one of the things I'd like I'd stopped singing. And the, and the funny thing was that it was always my escape. Music was always my escape or or talking was always my escape, like doing things like this, like talking to people or presenting or, you know, being on stage and sharing was always an escape. And I just stopped doing all of it. And so I came out of corporate work um, and decided months well years later when I met my now husband he was like Danny if you're sad that you don't sing so I was crying because I was singing washing up and I was having a crack so it was the only place I sing anymore is either in the shower in the car or when I'm washing up and he was like Dan well I'm here why don't you why don't you start singing again and it was at that point you know I left corporate and started to build a business for myself because everything that I'd learned I had these brilliant jobs everything I'd learned in corporate I could actually apply to owning a business and that's where that started is where I was like oh everything that I know about marketing and networking and presenting and all of this I know so how do I apply that to being a singer and as a singer I started to go to networking events like these, these sort of straight and stuffy people and I'm turning up in like 50s dresses with my speaker and a microphone I'm singing my 60 second pitch at people because I just I wanted to do something that was going to fill me up with joy. And I was watching this um, film with my kids once we'd found somewhere to live. It was called The Bee Movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yes, I have. It's got Renee Zellweger's voice in it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. Right. It's, I mean, this is, it's a strange premise where a girl falls in love with a bee. I don't know what's going on there. But <laughs> there's this quote at the beginning, and I'm paraphrasing, it goes, aerodynamically, bees shouldn't be able to fly. Their little wings shouldn't get their fat little bodies off the ground. The bee, however, doesn't care what humans think is impossible. The bee flies anyway. Sally, I clutched my pearls. I was like, that's it. 
I, like that's what I'm doing I'm flying anyway and I really decided in that moment that I wanted to make it my life's work to help other people fly anyway to reclaim their birthright to the to success to health to wealth to happiness to good relationships good sex good stuff like I was fuming that the queen was born the queen into the you know into these riches and I get it that the queen's got all of her duties and all of that sort of stuff. But I was born on the council of states of Preston. We didn't have a pot to piss in. That wasn't my birthright. And I was like, well, why is it not my birthright? I just have to be more tenacious about going out to get it. And that's how the I Am The Queen Bee movement started. It was this, there's loads of brilliant analogies that we can draw from bees as we're building businesses. And they festoon when they're building something new. They link arms or they do this waggle dance. Um, so by means of dance, they communicate where the good stuff is. Like, I'm here for that all day long. Um, so this whole, like, kind of I Am The Queen Bee movement started to sort of building my mind I started to go live and telling people about it and tell people that you know I'm going to create this movement I'm going to create this network I'm going to help people speak about their businesses about their stories about their mission you know if they've got activism within them I want them to help them take up space in the world in a world that doesn't really want us to not really I found this out recently on LinkedIn I've, <laughs> no, I, I, really listen, I can relate to that. absolutely. Well, well, you know, do you know what? Get, <laughs> get back in your box. And that is a fucking right? for a reason. And that's been around for years. So that really, really. Yeah. Was, do you know what I found out the other day as well? Do you know the expression which is called rule of thumb? Have you ever heard of this? This is yeah. the rule of thumb, which is, oh like, this is like, do you know where it comes from? It comes from the fact that when you were to chastise your wife with a stick, the rule of thumb was to never do it with a stick that was thicker than your thumb. No uh, shit. No shit. What? What you, I know. And I, I was like that, Googling away. I was like, no, wait. And a woman actually wow. messaged me and said that to me because I, I mentioned it like rule of thumb on an episode once. And I thought, where does that come from? So much language that we use, we don't know what we're really saying when we're saying it. That's what. So the fact that well, you. Well, it's have, like, it's like. Fucking scary. It, yeah, it, it, flipping heck. And the, I'm, I love words. I'm a wordsmith. Words are my, you know, are my bread and butter as a speaker coach and the work that I do in the world. But um, like his histrionics and hysteria is rooted in the womb. Like if you have a hysterectomy, you have your womb, take it out, right? But hysteria, women's mental health and emotional well-being or, or lack thereof is is something that we're frightened of. Oh, that woman's experiencing some hysteria. She's hysterical. And we become <laughs> frightened of feeling our emotions. And it's and it's it's a travesty. You know, this is deeply separate in Patreon. That's a whole nother podcast. No, no, listen, I'll tell you something now. There are more and more people that are, instead of going, oh, silly nonsense, silly, silly, silly. Nonsense. Actually, no, it's not. Because I, yeah. I'm the same as you, Danny. We are, this is why, but can I just mention that Danny and I have never met until this moment, actually, but we are completely on the same brain train. I feel like I'm talking to an old friend. <laughs> That's what I said to you. It'll be like a good voice note. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, uh, to me, there is um, the Victorian era and that, that period of time where when you go, this is why I really champion women talking about menopause. And there are a lot of women at the moment that are doing some cracking podcasts and some really good lives as well and reels on Instagram. Because I've just noticed that um, women are seeing it as though it's actually, a, it's like a second wind. It's not the end of your life. And women were actually sectioned in the Victorian period for going through the menopause and when women weren't yeah. allowed to vote which wasn't that fucking long ago and I wish people would really just kind of sort of sit themselves in history 
it wasn't that long ago yeah. it was because the because of our menstrual cycle and our hormones, um, <clears throat> we would be deemed as not making an appropriate decision because we were his- hysterical. That was what it was. Hysterical. Because of- <laughs> Crackers. Crackers. And now we we wear the mask of I'm fine because we don't want to be seen as hysterical. Are you okay? I'm fine. Um, and we're not fine. Like, FYI, when someone says they're fine, they're absolutely not fine. They would think of a better word. They'd say, I'm brilliant or I'm amazing. If they're, oh, yeah, I'm fine, they're not. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's, it's to avoid this digging deeper into how we're feeling. And that's very much how I felt. At, you know, at the time when things were at their darkest, I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want people to see that I was vulnerable. I didn't want to p- people to discount my intelligence because I'd found myself in this position. And I found myself in this position because of generation, the, the way that generations thought about women. That's why I was in that position. And really, that's why I've centered the work that I do now, not just with the I'm a Queen Bee movement and the events that I do, but within the Fly Anyway Foundation, which is a foundation that I've set up to help people who've experienced domestic abuse plug into business goods and services because business saved my life. Being Creating the autonomy that I have now within business and being able to call the shots, not macromanaging myself, not micromanaging myself, sorry, um, not being answerable to anybody was suddenly really freeing for me. And as such, the tenacity, the resilience, the galvanizing that I've had over the years, although I wouldn't wish it upon anybody, has allowed me now to utilize all of my skills to really make an impact, to share my story in this way, to share the things that I do on social media. If somebody sees this scrappy young lass from Preston who's come from absolutely nothing, step into a room and audaciously say, I am the Queen Bee, then hopefully, to God, hopefully, somebody else will be inspired to do the same thing, to walk into a room and say, hey, me too. I am the King Bee or the Queen Bee or the Royal Bee or whatever it is. But certainly if you're from a marginalised community, certainly where you've had the lens on you skewed for whatever reason, that my life's work now is about helping somebody, anybody, even if it's just one person, audaciously take up space. And that's... So I got my sword box then, I got excited. (laughs) Just just sat in a leather seat, be careful you'll be slipping off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what, though? I think um, the language that you would have been surrounded by would have been so similar to so many other people, but they think it's the norm. So I can relate to this. So my mum used to, it's almost script like, and you're the one who broke the mold in your family. And it's you're told yeah. that money doesn't grow on trees. Um, don't air yeah. your dirty laundry in public. That's another thing. Yeah. So don't tell anybody what's going on. Um what else did my mum used to say to me? What do you think? What did she say? Just like these little languages. And no, this is the hand you've been dealt. That's the hand you've been dealt. Yes, in life. that is definitely. That's just the way that. That's just the way things are, that's baby. The way things are. I used to so, get. But baby, it's just the way things are. So tell me how you broke that repetitive cycle. What was it? What is it different about you that made you think, right, fuck it. I'm doing something different because there's there's there was drive there from a young age, wasn't there? Even though it started mm-hmm. to manifest later on in your life, you can tell that there was drive there from a young age. So what was it? Um, f- for me, I was really self-aware from a very young age. And I think self-awareness isn't something that everybody's blessed with. Like this opportunity, like for all that I wanted to be loud and be seen and be heard, I watched everything and I had to be 
I had to take the temperature of every single room that I went into as I was growing up, which meant that I had to adjust my sales and my behavior accordingly to make sure that I didn't set off fireworks, to make sure that I didn't instigate a potential argument, to make sure that, you know, I kept my mum safe or my sister safe or me safe. So it meant that I had to be very aware of my own behavior very, very early on. And that's what translated all the way through. This self-awareness brought with it this sort of sense of injustice. Like, this is wrong. I shouldn't have to be adjusting my behaviour. I shouldn't have to be reading the temperature. I mean, it's really helped me as a performer. It's made me an incredible performer because it means I can read an audience really quickly and be able to do the tap dance of of presentation really well. But... (laughs) deeply rooted in trauma (laughs) (laughs) no but you know what though it's it's something that you 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 know you've said it then you've you've learned from it you've embraced it uh she thought actually do you know what it sounds awful but sometimes god bless that journey because it is who you are today and in here and and absolutely it's there so it is something absolutely i was was... from trauma but like you say yourself it's something that you've you noticed it from an early age and this is where Mm. a lot of people ask questions and you ask questions and you ask questions and sometimes you can be chastised for asking questions and yeah um then for people internalize those questions and actually think oh no you know you know you 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 you, you ask what what i used to get called a drama queen all the time oh same ah sally's a drama queen Okay, I'm not mm-hmm. a drama queen. I just like to ask questions about shit that's going on. Yeah. And um, therefore, I don't believe in internalizing all this bullshit. My mum, God bless her. I love my mum and dad. I love them dearly. But my mum's one strap line, and I've said this to her, is anything for a quiet life. Now, I don't right. believe in that. I don't believe that. And I've often said to my mum, I love you, but that was bullshit, wasn't it? She went, yes. But I didn't know what else to say. Yeah, girl, I want a loud life. I want a life like amplified. I want no quiet life bullshit up in here. Like, give me all the life. I want to understand it. And and I think that I mean one of the things that I found out later on, in fact, in the pandemic, was that I'm neurodivergent. So that I have ADHD. And externalizing my processes is necessary for me to understand the world. So I was a, a question asker um, quite a lot. And, and one of the things is that actually that's the way that I process the world is outwardly. Because inwardly, I would tie myself up. I would become anxious. My thoughts would swirl and swirl and swirl. Whereas actually, if I make sense of them, I can logic things out as long as it's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I just think so not enough I was... people talk. So God bless you because not yeah. enough people talk. And this is, you know, the only reason why I love doing this podcast is because I feel that women, we're afraid to talk about so many things. We're afraid to talk about things yeah. because we've either been told to only ask about the weather. Why do we think the weather yeah. is such a big fucking topic? It's because women were told to ask about the weather. If you didn't have anything else to say, just ask about the weather. <laughs> That was it. (laughs) We're having lovely weather, aren't we? What the fuck? Where are you from? Jane Austen period. That's it. Yeah, and I'm not, and I, I'm not here for the small talk either. Like I will go deep. I, I can see the weather. I can open my eyes or feel the cold or feel the heat. Like, tell me about you. When we first got on this call together, and you were telling me about yourself, like I'm here for that. I want to know the nitty gritty of of folks. I I want to know people's stories. Stories light me up. Um, and helping people share their stories just lights me up and the the, the whole like cycle 
heartbreaking thing I always find very, very interesting because it was like I was at the end of a really rubbish relay race and the stick was shitty. And someone, my mum came and just handed me this stick, this poo stick, and was like, here, have this, go and, ha- go and finish the race with that. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want a shitty stick. I want a love like beautiful stick made of gold that I'm going to pass on to my kids. Thank you very much. Or one at least that isn't covered in shit. Thanks. Um, and there's this guy called Nate Postlethwaite. And it, again, I'll paraphrase a quote. I'll get it really wrong. But along the lines of um, never, under, never underestimate the power of the cycle breaker. They're the ones that stand in front of the oncoming steam train of generations and say, this stops with me. And I got goosebumps when I heard that because I feel like that for my kids like I don't want to hand them that stick that's not the stick that I'm going to choose to hand to my kids so you know I'm going to help teach them boundaries I'm going to help teach my audience boundaries I'm going to help teach them to articulate their wants their needs their requirements their vision for the world and I think that if more of us can say this stops with me that's where the magic happens and that's where I get really excited um so yeah so tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing then. So you work with, do you work with individuals on a one-to-one basis as well? I know that you've got, if you follow Danny on Instagram, it is uh, the Queen Bee Danny, uh, but I'll leave all of your tags mm-hmm. anyway in the show notes, uh, uh, of course, so people can reach out and contact you. So your clients now, do you work on a, a group basis or do you offer one-to-one sort of um, t- coaching? How is it that you work? So all sorts of ways, there's lots of different ways. So I've, I've written books. So for people that can't engage like in, in things like courses and one-to-one work, I've written a little book on speaking called Closed Mouths Don't Get Fed. I've got a best-selling book called I Am The Queen Bee, and that's about overcoming self-sabotage. So really the, the things that we've been talking about today. Um, but I work one-to-one. I work um, in groups. I've got DIY courses, all sorts of things. You can find it all on IamTheQueenBee.co.uk, but any way that people want to engage at all of the levels have got something for everybody. And then the Fly Anyway Foundation, you can find out more about that at Fly Anyway Foundation. So if you are somebody who's experienced domestic abuse and have a business idea, then the service is there to help you get that off the floor. Or if you have a business out there and you want to support in any way, shape or form, then if you follow us um, at Fly Anyway um, Foundation, then that will be awesome as well. Because not only are you um, a very, you know, just chatting to you now, you are such an incredible character and, you you know, you're an absolutely wonderful woman. You've got such a fabulous vibe as well that you give off such a great energy. But when you're on stage, you. not just are your words really powerful, but you have some amazing outfits as well, don't you? And you're not afraid. <laughs> you're not afraid, Danny. And that's what I think. Fucking hell, that is amazing. Just tell us of some of the outfits that you've actually turned up to events in because they're just cracking. <laughs> So it would be remiss of me as a singer not to to entertain as part of the events that I put on. So being inspired is a personal business development event. However, I like to I like to share edutainment. So I'll open the show wearing a full furry bee suit or a Wonder Woman costume or a Freddie Mercury costume. Or I did one talk um uh, the last event where I'd, I'd I've lost a significant amount of weight uh, for health reasons um not that I have to excuse losing weight or not losing weight um but I had a bust made of myself a pl- a cast made of my body before I lost a lot of weight to celebrate my body before I did um and I did a talk in my underwear on stage next to this <laughs> cast this naked body cast of myself um so that we get up to all sorts of shenanigans I love <laughs> 
I just, I, that's the one thing that I just think is fantastic because as, especially as women, we apologize for ourselves constantly. We apologize for, oh, sorry, I've not got any makeup on today. That's something that I say to people I don't even fucking know when I'm at the till. Oh, sorry, I look like shit. Sorry, I've not got any makeup on. I've been up all night. And I think, why am I apologizing for not having any makeup on? What is wrong with me? What, because I've not turned up socially acceptable? Is that what it is? Do you know what? If if I smelt of (laughs) shit and had BO, then I should really have a reason to apologize. (laughs) Now then, right? Then we can talk. (laughs) But the fact that you are embracing this out of the norm, do you know what? Fuck it. I mean, I've seen you in yellow dungarees, which just look amazing. They reminded me of Rod, Jane and Freddie from Rainbow. I just thought they were fabulous. Yes. And just I, was, the... I look like a big baby, but oh, I'm comfy. <laughs> <laughs> and that fucking be outfit is just, I mean, what an icebreaker at the beginning of an event. And, you know, that to me is, you know, if you sat right. there and because let's be honest, a lot of people get nervous about going to events because then sometimes they're going to tap into yes. something that they don't want to release and they're scared about releasing it. Right. But to have somebody that's as, you know, as bold as you actually stood on stage in a beer outfit, it's, it's, yeah, it's a winner. I think that's fantastic. You can't get any more ridiculous or then therefore safe, right? If I'm going to go and make an absolute titter myself, then it's all right for you to do it too. And that's what's brilliant about these events is that they are so safe and so inclusive and this little sort of bubble of joy as well as, you know, we're learning together and we're taking up space and we're being bold and we're sharing these incredible stories and all of this, but we're doing it in a way that... Hopefully we'll have a lot of fun, just like you and I have had today. A lot of fun. You know, we've talked about some really serious things, but, you know, God, we've got, you've got to enjoy it. You've got to have a laugh while you do it. Danny, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. I know that you're a busy lady. You've got an awful lot going on. But like I said, I'm going to leave all your details to contact like your website, your Instagram account. Again, Danny's Instagram is <clears throat> the Queen B Danny, and Danny is spelled D-A-N-I. And you can find her on Instagram. Go and give her a follow. Reach out to her via social media. Um, again, I'll make sure that everything's put in the show notes as well. This is a lady who is, do you know what I think is wonderful, Danny, is the fact that you've come through so much, but it's so relatable. And that's what I just think is wonderful. And you're you're paying it forward and you're helping other people. And that's where there's no secrets here. And I think that sometimes when you see people in the public eye, um, they don't sort of divulge as to how they got there. And I just think that that is what, this is what women, and I'm being rich, I'm, I'm using this as a generalization now because I meet so many women. We want to know how people got there. Do you know what I mean? How did she do that? Right. How on earth did she do that? Wow. And I think we just we just really are missing that at the moment in society is inspiring each other um, at a relatable level. So thank you so much for sharing your story with, uh, with us today um, and just being such a wonderful woman and helping so many people on your journey. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me, Sally. It's been an utter, utter joy. Oh, brilliant. Listen, if you want to get a hold of me, find me at Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. I cannot tell you how wonderful it's been to chat to Danny today. Make sure that you follow me on Instagram. If you like this podcast, drop us a five-star review. It'll be very, very welcome. Make sure you're sharing it with your friends as well, because the more people we can get it out to, uh, the better. And I'd love to hear your story. If you've got an inspirational story, you're on a journey, you're helping others, make sure that you pop me an inbox. Or as I like to say, reach out. Not a reach around. This is a family show. No, it's not, because I say fuck quite a bit. Right. Have a wonderful week and I'll speak to you very soon. Thank you so much for taking a listen to my podcast. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at Adventures of a Geriatric Mum, where there's a link to the podcast that you can share with all your friends. After all, sharing is caring and you and I are best friends now.